Hello there. Since we began Top Six for Life series around three years ago, it's been our endeavor to get you stories celebrating the smallest joys which, when nurtured, grow to yield a treasure trove of happiness. To trace euphoria to its initial moments of trepidation or plain oblivion. To crack the code of maintaining a fine line between consistently working on a passion, because it does require work, and infusing passion into work. Celebrating the journey rather than only its destination. And as we approach the season finale of Talks to Exo Life podcast, as we've known it, my conversation with Oyon Banerjee, Managing Director and Partner, Boston Consulting Group, is at the very core a trek into the mind of a carpe diemist, one who lives in the moment unfazed, unrattled, be it tackling unforeseen situations on his trekking expeditions or helping scores of mammoth companies tackle the unexpected Oyon shares how it feels to live on the edge by recounting a thrilling trekking expedition in this segment. This is all about the mountains, preserving its sanctity and exploring it with humility. So um, what about your wife? Does she trek along with you now or the kids are keeping her busy? How about Shubhra? Is she trekking along with you? No, that's the goal. I mean, she is as avid, uh, you know, wannabe trekker as I am. Uh, but just that home found duty, school kids, all of that, yeah. we've not managed to. Uh, <laughs> that's but, an extra hurdle for women, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but having said that, I think so we have our uh, our ambitions clearly cut out. So the day our younger one goes to college, we are off. Mm for a road trip around the world. Okay. How how far is that now? <laughs> I'm just that trying is, to... That is six and a half years away. Six and a half years away. Okay. You you, you look pretty young, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't look like six and a half years away. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, good luck. Especially for Shubra. I mean, I hope she gets to do it sooner. <laughs> yeah. Until unless I can get the kids to start trekking, in which case that yes, becomes yes. a family vacation. Which you're, you're trying your level best, but they are stuck onto the beaches, is it? <laughs> you're still on the beach. Okay. So any interest, any story that you'd like to share on your trekking? What does a typical exciting day look like on a trek? Why don't I tell oh, you? Yeah. Why don't I tell yeah. you one of those days? Yeah. Wake up in the morning with great difficulty. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you've like huffed and puffed and gasped for breath all your night, tossing and turning in your bag. And uh, God forbid, if you have to, you know, uh, address nature's call in the middle of the night, then it is like a half an hour exercise. Um, you know, just coming off the uh, the sleeping bag and the tent and going, finding your place and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So visualize as you've woken up in the morning, you've seen the world's best sunrise ever. Uh, and then you start your day. And on one of these days, we wake up in the morning, bright blue sky, fantastic sunrise, you know, completely greater Himalaya snow-capped peak for about mm-hmm. 270 degrees of the line of sight, right? I mean, mm-hmm. some of the peaks are so close that you can literally touch them. That's how close they are. So there, you don't look at the peaks straight. You look at the peaks like this because they are so close. Mm-hmm. They're that high. After breakfast, we start leaving by about 7.45, dark clouds, okay? And we are at about 15,000 feet. And it pours and it pours and it pours. And we walk through torrential downpour on 
uh, what we call as a saddle point of a mountain, which means where the mountain is like this. So you're walking on this, right? So you're completely exposed to the wind. Uh, you know, there is nowhere to go. You know, you have to just walk on the ridge. Hmm. So we pitch tent about, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon and it is continuing to rain. By about 6 p.m., it continues raining. Uh, the place where we had pitched tent had enough space for about five tents. That place is starting to now become a puddle. Uh, the mules who were with us, you know, they mm. actually run away because it is raining so bad. They go to the lower end. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, we have dinner. We retire for the night. So two in a tent. And then the rain starts getting accompanied by gale velocity winds. And the gale velocity winds are, you know, I mean, it could go up to easily over 100 kilometers per hour. And since you were on the trek was on the saddle point, but where you pitch tent is typically off. So you come down, you can't pitch it on top. You have to come down. Mm -hmm. So the wind is howling and we, that entire night, it rained till eight o'clock in the morning. So it was about 24 Mm -hmm. hours of rainfall. And that entire night, the only thought that we were all having in the tent is what if the tent gets blown away and we get thrown off the cliff with us inside the tent? You know, what if we never get to see our kid again? You know, what if we never get home? So imagine staying up all night with those morbid thoughts to wake mm. up in the morning to seeing that the kitchen tent has right, huh? <laughs> the kitchen tent has been washed away. You know, the mules okay. come back. You're, you know, except for inside your tent, everything is gone. And uh, that's when you realize how small you are, you know, in the bigger mm. of nature. Um, and, you know, there are many, many such examples of where you speak, you know, I mean, you're almost like looking up and wondering that uh, it's a very humbling feeling that, you know, once you get to the top, it feels great. But, uh, but again, it goes back to my original comment that, you know, I mean, if you have the humility to deal with nature, then do treks, otherwise don't bother. But uh, yeah, that's typically an exciting day. And many, many, I've, uh, you know, I've had uh, treks where one of the, you know, one of my friends, he got so badly hit by altitude sickness that uh, midway through, he said that I just can't do it. There's too much pressure at work. He was, you know, he was almost feeling awkward to say that he was not feeling well. He said that I have to go back. But, you know, his eyes were popping. His blood sat had gone down. All of that good stuff. I have been on a trek where the night before the summit, my oxygen saturation dropped to uh, 68%. Since everybody in covid oxygen saturation you know what 68 percent is yeah, now we all know right yeah <laughs> so uh, so yeah i mean there is no dearth of excitement you are always living on the edge number one it's not dangerous mm. uh, as long as you have a stable head on your shoulders back mm. to the original point if you have bravado and you said yeah so what if i have 68 percent let me drink lots of water you know and let me take a few swigs of oxygen and let me go mm. that is right. when it happens Oh, that's true. You need to be pragmatic as well. I mean, especially during these times. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'd like to ask you that when you're humbled and, you know, the whole thing of life's purpose, all of that might seem just so trivial, right? When you're there, I mean, not that you do certain things to uh, to command a specific office or how do you, um, how does that change your perspective then towards life? You know, that's a very interesting question. And I would say my first blush answer is no, there isn't any difference. You know, I'm as calm and as, you know, un, um, you know, I, I don't get flustered very easily. 
um, you know, so whether it is the night up there, you know, getting battered, wondering, am I going to make it tomorrow morning or whether it is at home, you know, facing a crisis of sorts on the work front or, you know, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I feel the way I respond, uh, you know, to right. the situations is no different. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, one has helped me be better at the other and vice versa. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I keep learning from both and it is subconscious. Right. It is not that you plan for it. It, you hmm. get hardened over a period of time. Right, that's that's quite nice. In fact, after your, I mean, after listening to you, I have some hopes <laughs> of start getting to trekking myself with my son. You know, I keep joking with him, you grow a little bit, then we'll go on, take off on our treks, you know, you and me alone or something yeah. because uh, you need to have that mindset, right? You just need to surrender yourself completely and there is there are no luxuries out there. Uh, yeah. You've got to be prepared to uh, take it one day at a time and yeah. just be there. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. I really think that, uh, you know, in our country, trekking with families and kids is uh, almost non-existent. But it, in my mind, it is an untapped adventure, uh, you know, and especially given the sheer beauty of the Himalayas. I mean, the Himal, mm-hmm. having done, you know, traveled a fair bit around the world, you know, Rockies and, the, you know, the Alps and all of that. I mean, the Himalayas are the Himalayas. I mean, there is nothing that comes close. I've been to Alaska. I've seen the tallest peak in North America. But, you know, you see the tallest peak in North America? That is where our mid-mountains begin. I mean, people talk Switzerland and go gaga over it. Uh, and I really wish that, you know, we as a country felt more proud about our assets and our government did something about it. I mean, incredible India. It is incredible, but... Um, it is still not uh, it is not still not understood ghar ki murgi dal barabar types exactly the way you see it in terms of just enjoying it i mean why can't we just see there and then if we just thought of that you know this whole um, what's happening with the mountains right now the pollution you know and there might be laps of nature which is actually just left best to itself, you know, rather than us going and uh, wanting to explore each and every corner that is inaccessible. What do you think is this, where where do you think we're heading in the the future? This kind of goes back to the previous question where I was saying that, you know, uh, going for treks with families is untapped in India. I mean, this is a double-edged sword, right? On the one hand, you know, our kids are again being brought up in a situation which is very, you know, indoors. On the other hand, imagine, you know, 300, 350 million upper middle class families, you know, over the course exactly. of 10, 20 years, will start taking off to the mountains. Can you imagine? <laughs> imagine that, yeah. So uh, I think, so look, I mean, balance is what is important out here. Um, and uh, as long as we do things in a measured way, you know, as long as we respect that nature, that, that it is nature and you have to, I mean, for example, in our case, We've had instances where we've gone to camping sites and woken up in the morning and taken a jhadu and, you know, we've started doing jhadu on our own and the locals would come and say, nee, nee, hame karne you know, mm-hmm. because they would almost get embarrassed saying that, you know, why are they doing it? And we have a very simple policy that we do not leave anything behind, not even a toothpick. So not that we carry toothpicks, but yeah, you get the picture. Yeah. <laughs> I thought bongs must be with all the fish. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's really important, right? In terms of keep taking care of nature. Because there are already pics on Twitter where in, uh, in Himachal Pradesh, you know, uh, recently there were pics put up by these uh, locals 
with all these tourists coming in and trying to get into the mountains, trekking and leaving litter and garbage right. already, you know. Yeah, beer bottles and tetra packs and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and plastic wrappers and what have you. 